everyone welcome back to dissecting dexter after a week off i'm back many apologies again for missing a week if i didn't have to i really wouldn't have done i'm making every effort to get one of these out a week and keep up with the show but alas there was there were just no opportunities last week for me to um put the usual amount of work into producing a podcast and uh so that well if i can't do it properly uh, I, I just won't do it at all. So I did get the episode watched, episode four that was, and uh, really enjoyed it. We're going to get into that in a sec. Uh, as I say, took a week off. It was half term, the school's half term here in the UK last week, and uh, just had some family time. Uh, it was my well, my eldest, uh, who's five next week. Uh, it's his first year at, at big school, if you like, at primary school. And uh, this was his first first time off, first week off. So uh, I took the week off as well. And um, we went away for a couple of days, took the kids to London. We went to the Natural History Museum. Uh, they love seeing the dinosaurs. And we had a walk along by the River Thames, saw Big Ben. Uh, they had their picture taken with the, um, uh, the, the household cavalry, the um, soldiers on horseback at, uh, in Whitehall. Uh, close to Downing Street, we saw the Prime Minister's car. It was uh, it was a really great day. They love London and are looking forward to going back. Oh yeah, and uh, and they met one of their idols down on the south bank of the river near the London Eye, the big uh, wheel, the big Millennium Wheel. Uh, they have a lot of street entertainers, sort of um, jugglers, and you know you get these sort of mime. Well, I say mime artists, these street artists that coat themselves in I don't know gold paint or dress themselves up in some sort of costume and just stand there motionless and you drop a coin in their bucket or in their hat or whatever and they do a little dance or tip the hat or do something and then stand motionless again uh, well they have all those sorts of uh, characters down there uh, but they had one person down there who was in a Darth Vader costume uh, had the full get up and he was quite tall so um quite an intimidating figure and my kids especially my youngest Ethan who is about three and a quarter he loves Star Wars oh he absolutely loves it he would watch it morning noon and night if he could and we saw Darth Vader there and he was dumbstruck (laughs) so we we stuck a pound in his in his hat and uh, in his bucket and um and they post for pictures and uh, really nice moments so so that was really good fun uh, and while i was there actually speaking of star wars sorry, i'm completely digressing from dexter aren't i so forgive me i mean in the absence of gareth's waste of time i don't have a podcasting outlet apart from this one so <laughs> uh, but if you're into star wars uh, and you're my sort of age sort of mid to late 30s you'll empathize I had all the Star Wars figures when I was young, when I was uh, a kid, and they've been living in my parents' loft since since I left home, really, when I was 21. And when I was there, we were down at my parents' last week, and uh, while we were there, I went up into the loft and had a rummage around and found all my old Star Wars figures. And some of you may think I'm crazy. There was certainly quite a, a passionate response to my uh, posting on Twitter, on Facebook to say this. 
I brought the figures back home with me and I've let my children play with them. <laughs> yes, I could be insane, I could be mad, call me crazy. Uh, but I thought, well, better they get some fun out of them than for them to sit in the loft for another 20 years and do nothing. Ethan especially, he's having loads and loads, I cannot understate this or overstate this, he's having loads of fun with them. Uh, so it's totally worth it to let him loose with them, he, he just loves it. Uh, so fantastic that the figures have come full circle and who'd have thought, you know, if you told me when I was seven years old that my kids would be playing with these same figures when, that, that my kids would be playing with these things in uh, 25, 30 years time, I'd have just laughed. So, yeah, nice digression there. <laughs> um, let's get back to some Dexter. We've had episodes four and five since I last talked to you. And just doing a little bit of background work on the podcast this morning. And I was looking on the Showtime Dexter forums because there was something that came up in episode five that I just, I just wonder what other people thought about. I've not... There's been um, not been that much feedback in since I last talked to you, probably because I said I was having a week off. So I guess you guys haven't rushed to uh, to send stuff in. Uh, and that's fine. That's understandable. But um, I've not had anybody else's take on, on this particular tidbit from episode five. And I'll, I'll get to that in my review. But while I was looking on the Showtime forum uh, on the subsection that discussed episode five, there was... Something rather majorly spoilery in the subject of one of the posts. So really all I'm saying is this is a warning. If you're wanting to stay spoiler free as I am, uh, just take care. There's a major spoiler, it seems, floating around there for the next episode, episode six. And I'll say nothing about what I saw content wise, except that in the subject and one of these postings, it's something that could be considered majorly spoilerific uh so just be warned uh i've not seen i've seen hints only so far as click here to see a major spoiler for episode six i've not clicked on anything um so just take care guys right let's get on with the meat of this podcast you want to know about the episodes don't you uh, oh, sorry, I should just say, if I sound a bit nasal, yeah, it's autumn here, it's got colder, and I've got a cold. So apologies if I sound sniffly or bunged up, uh, that is why, so bear with me, I'll do my best. Let's get on to episode four first. I'm going to treat the episodes separately, I wasn't quite sure how I'd tackle them, whether I'd just lump it all in, in one. Um, obviously I'm, I'm just doing one podcast, but we're going to cover both episodes as best I can. Episode four first. I'm going to do my review and then go through your feedback for that episode and then we'll get on to episode five. Just so we can tackle matters arising from the individual episodes and sort of discuss them separately rather than lumping them together. I think that'll work better and kind of treat your, your feedback with, um, you know, give it the attention it deserves. Right, episode four then. Ratings-wise, I did see a note online that ratings were up a bit on the previous week, so that's good. Um, episode title then, Horse of a, Dif a Horse of a Different Colour, original air date, the 23rd of October 2011, written by Lauren Gussis and directed by John Dahl, both familiar names to us. Let's crack on them with the review, let's go. 
after that lengthy introduction, <laughs> apologies for, for rambling there. I did kind of want to um, talk about my week off a bit by way of uh, excusing me not podcasting. But for episode four then, uh, as we expected, Dexter attended the baptism where he muses about going for a swim and coming out a new man and how if only he believed it was that simple. He really f- seems to still regard this faith thing somewhat cynically as if it's this ethereal, unreachable, unobtainable, utopian state uh, finding this peace and 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 having this light in his life, uh, having something pure and good and tangible to believe in and hold on to and, and something good to pass on to his son, he still seems to feel that he still seems to regard it as something very difficult to to reach, and his cynicism and doubt come through that. Elsewhere, Geller, <laughs> well, coming out of this episode, he, he well, is he real? Isn't he? Could go either way. The cafe scene, where he's talking to Travis. The waitress didn't acknowledge his presence. Neither did Geller have a cup, a cup of coffee or anything in front of him. Travis seemed to be dining alone. I mean, if he, you could argue that Geller didn't want anything, and so he sat there with nothing in front of him. I feel that nothing is accidental, and the writers are still messing with us. They know what they're doing. Travis still seems to have a lot of self-doubt, which makes him easily manipulated. It was fascinating how Geller let Travis go on that date with the waitress, but said about accepting the consequences. (laughs) Very disturbing. To an extent, Travis... You could say he's... I'm loath to say it, because we've seen him do some crazy stuff, and he's clearly not in a fit mental state. But in many regards, he's a normal guy, wanting to go on a date with this girl, with no ulterior motive. I got the impression they'd maybe had their eye on each other for quite a while, uh, Travis and the waitress. But of course, she ends up getting used in the next murder, and it was pretty disturbing to see Travis almost plead with Geller to let her go. I like her, he said. But of course she was doomed, (laughs) and we'll get to that in a sec. The horseman scene at the beginning was good. Dexter enthralled. His face was a picture. I like the throwback comment to Brian Moser, drawing the parallel with the dismembered body parts. The the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Further emphasising the connection with the Book of Revelation and Judgment Day, or Doomsday as they seem to be calling it. Whoever did this seems to be a member of my tribe. But this is a horse of a different color. What is this? Dexter recognizes that she's no ordinary killer. Someone with a more complex agenda. An agenda he's never encountered before. As he says, a horse of a different color. They're finding new clues for the case. The numbers hidden on the victims' bodies. That was pretty gruesome in the lab when Dexter was examining the body parts with Deb and they find the number in the eye. 
He found the number in the intestines, though, a bit fast, but I guess it made sense for the killers to hide the number in one of the ends, rather than somewhere in the pipe, if you like. Dexter could have spent hours going through uh, all that length of uh, intestines, just as well it was stuck in the end. Ryan Chambers. Sorry, I'm jumping about a bit here. I kind of... um, I kind of felt with... I kind of decided to keep things a little bit more concise uh, this week rather than spending, say, half an hour on one episode. So forgive me a bit if I dodge about a little and um, go over things maybe a little bit more briefly than I might do. Pre- I might have done previously. So, yeah, Ryan... Well, it seems that she's just flogging the evidence online, just selling the evidence in online auctions. She did seem to be getting set up for something better than that, or at least that was my optimistic opinion. Was she just a side plot to keep Masuka busy? But will she return later in the season? One thing I noticed, though, the username on the auction website was RollerGirl185. It didn't strike me until later when Batista and Quinn got high and we heard the song Spill the Wine, which was on the Boogie Nights soundtrack. Roller Girl was the nickname for Heather Graham's character in the same film, so I don't know if one of the writers is a fan of the film, maybe, to have this double Boogie Nights reference. And then Harrison, getting appendicitis. When Jamie called early in the episode to tell Dexter Harrison seemed poorly, I thought, hello, something's going to happen here. You could see what was coming with Dexter ending up praying. Cynically, I thought it was a bit convenient to the plot for it to happen so soon. When it was clear that Dexter was open to discussing believing in something with Brother Sam, it seemed to foreshadow that something bad would happen to someone he cared about. And it it made sense for it to be Harrison. Something like that happening to a child would test the best of us. It rocked him and made him pray, in a fashion. (laughs) Did he drink the holy coffee, though? I wonder. It didn't go unnoticed that he said thank God when the doctor came out and said Harrison would be okay. But it's interesting how they're really pushing Dexter down this road. Brother Sam's saying how it's human nature to believe in something, even if it's not necessarily God. It's giving Dexter lots to think about. In a later scene, Dexter tells Harry he prayed because he was desperate, and Harry says, no judgment, you already talked to an imaginary father which I had to smile at. It seems to confirm that Harry is a figure Dexter conjures up, rather than being an actual ghost. Not a separate entity, but more a part of Dexter's own psyche. But Harry goes on to say that Dexter has now made a pact, and should be ready to pay up. It maybe links in with what happens to Sam at the end of of episode 5, which we'll come to. I really like the Brother Sam character. Mose is doing a great job playing him. I like how we got more backstory about him in episode 4, how his dad used him to help commit a murder, and then how, when he was older, Sam saw the light in prison and turned his life around, believing in God. 
like to end up on my table? Email dissectingdexter at gmail.com. Deborah and Anderson. They seem to be getting on well, eh? <laughs> Is he going to become a new love interest? He's giving her frank and honest thoughts about stuff like the way she dresses. Although she does kind of <laughs> give him an invitation to let her have it. There could be an interesting dynamic there. I do like the tension between Anderson and Quinn. Quinn will have liked being the alpha male in the office, and now that's under threat, it seems, especially if Anderson continues to develop a good relationship with Deb. I like the moment in the lift, her and Dexter, when she's adjusting herself and asks if anyone's died from crotch... <laughs> I'll say that again. <laughs> if anyone's died from crotch asphyxiation. I suspect Masuka might have had an answer for that. Her press conference was great, using the F word. Just typical Deborah, but how refreshing. It'll earn a lot of public trust, I think. Matthew seemed to like it too. He's getting good feedback about it. And it further cements his decision to give Deb the lieutenant's job. There you go, plane number two. <laughs> but obviously LaGuerta won't like Deb getting the positive feedback. Batista and Quinn... I enjoyed them getting high, show them both in a different light. Are they establishing a friendship here that goes beyond colleagues? And I don't mean anything gay. Um, <laughs> no, I just mean establishing a genuine friendship. It seems to further set Batista up for a fall at some point. It does feed into our theory about him finding out about Dexter. Or maybe at least the theory that he's being set up for something bad to happen to him. With a friendship with Quinn, he's got someone he could confide in if he gets wind from Jamie about something fishy with Dexter. And of course we know about Quinn's prior suspicions. So it couldn't take much to get those two uh, sniffing around and getting on that rather dangerous path. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. But what do I have to offer a child? Just me. Demented Daddy Dexter. Right, so let's finish episode four by talking about the final sequence, which for me, <laughs> and for some of you it sounds like, it came straight out of a Saw movie. The tripwire triggering the girl's death. The killer's not actually killing the girl with their own hands. That's saw all over. But I love the tense build-up at the greenhouse. You knew there'd be something. Actually, the girl hanging there with the wings out also reminded me of the bit in Silence of the Lambs. But when they heard the noise, I said to my wife, Plague of Locusts. <laughs> On the back of them finding the fish outside, it made sense. So that was all pretty spectacular, really. But I was surprised to see Travis standing outside admiring the locusts. The killer staying close to see the police on the scene has been done before in shows, but of course it put him right on Dexter's radar. Big mistake. But then Travis certainly seems to be the novice of the two. Uh, out of him and Geller, I mean. So, a pretty good episode that marks the end of the first act of season six. We've talked before about how TV seasons are often split into three acts, and that normally something big happens at the end of each act. It happened all the time in 24, for example, and here, I think this counts as a milestone for the season. The spectacular death, and Dexter identifying one of the killers. 
And maybe the debate about Harry being put to rest too. <laughs> Exciting times. I'm obviously covering two episodes this week. So as I say, I'm trying to keep issues arising from each episode separate. So, with that in mind, this is what you guys thought of episode four. Listener Feedback First, quick thanks to two new iTunes reviews. Thanks very much to Reckless21 and Johanna STHLM. Thank you very much for your excellent five-star reviews. Much appreciated. Right, on to feedback for episode four. First, a tweet I got from Goliath Growl, who you may recall from the last episode, was all but off the Dexter ride, which was a great shame. Um, but... I'm glad to say I got this back from them, who, and, and they said, other than the CGI locusts, with, this was the best episode in a while. It's just sad that even God can't make hospital coffee taste good. <laughs> to which I couldn't resist replying, so does that mean you're back on board? And the response back came, absolutely, glad I stayed on the righteous path. So uh, it seems that episode four turned things around for our friend Goliath Growl. So hopefully episode five just further cemented that and you're back with us. <laughs> We've got a little bit of controversy going on uh, with the sort of, oh, sort of fanboy nitpicking, uh, <laughs> picking it apart a bit too much, picking the plot holes uh, kind of thing. <laughs> Matthew Battles has responded in defence of the, quote, fanboys, and he says, I don't mind not seeing Dexter completely obliterate the entire crime scene, not to see every detail. The only thing I can't forgive are the massive errors in judgment they've shown in contradicting their own laws of the show. I'm perfectly happy to let a few small things slide, but as a writer, I hate leaving potholes like Dexter calling the ambulance unmentioned. I may be a fan of the show, but I'm not going to bow down and praise their every move. They make mistakes and they need to be noticed. Otherwise, how do we improve? They might be making television, but that doesn't make them gods. So, thanks Matthew, thanks for coming back. This this is fun, <laughs> this whole controversy, and it's good to get a bit of toing and froing and getting the various opinions. We have a nice debate opening up here. I do seem to be getting a few more emails and voicemails this season, picking the show up on little things, plot holes, errors, oversights, or whatever you want to call them. Whether that's us being less forgiving, more observant, more nitpicky, I don't know. To be fair, I think there's only been two or three main points of contention that seem to be getting discussed, so it's not like the show's falling apart or anything, but I think it's right that we talk about these points. We are dissecting Dexter here after all, but obviously we need to keep things in perspective. In Matthew's email there, he's right to focus on contradictions of the laws of the show that have been established by the writers and he mentions the ambulance thing that we've talked about and I think also in episode one the blood under the fingernails issue was a biggie okay so 
kind of furthering this, I had an email from Chris in Sweden who says, I just have some thoughts on the possible plot hole when Dexter kills Walter Kenny in episode 3. I don't know how eagerly the police will look for foul play when an old man dies at a retirement home. Not that hard would be my guess. But just to make sure, here goes. If Dexter made it look like Kenny died from heart failure, it doesn't have to happen in bed. My suggestion would be to stage it like Kenny was standing on a chair fixing the ceiling light bulb or something. And if he had some bruising from the car crash, then place something appropriate on the floor for him to land on. Case closed. I just wish people had more faith in our favourite serial killer. Stop nitpicking and just enjoy the show. They're lost though. Anyway, the season looks really promising so far. Keep up the great work, mate. Thanks, Chris. My first emailer from Sweden. <laughs> yes, there is a danger of being too nitpicky and it getting to the point where it starts to detract from your enjoy enjoyment. I think I said last time that we all have our own personal threshold of what we'll let slide and what we won't. We are, of course, all different, so I hope that those who are most forgiving will excuse those who aren't and indulge a little picking at any problems in the episodes. It's right that we should. It's important to have a variety of views on the podcast and discuss them all, whether they're positive or negative. But you make a good point there about the Kenny killing. It could possibly be explained in other ways. Like others have said, we don't need to see every detail of Dexter with his victims. This one with Kenny, though, was a break from the norm, but we do know Dexter well enough to trust him to take every precaution. However, I hope the criticism that uh, some callers are getting in regard to picking up on plot holes and little niggly points, I mean, myself included, I've done, a, done my share of that. Uh, I, hope, I hope it doesn't put any of you off calling in again, because um, from my own personal point of view, as I say, I like to present a balanced view of the show here. We are dissecting Dexter, and I welcome all your comments, and I do enjoy discussing it. And uh, welcome all opinions, so um, please don't be put off. Hey there, Gareth, it's Josh. I just watched um, episode four, season six. First, I want to say I'm sorry that the Geller's drive stuck passenger theory didn't work out. It was a good theory while it lasted, and I was a little convinced of it myself. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Um, this episode got real. It, everything came together, as usually episode four does. Alright, well, one thing, quick thing I want to get out of the way. I am loving Brother Sam's character right now. He's very likable. He's one person that can change Dexter's opinion on religion, and we're seeing it starting to take effect. I like, I really like Sam's character background this week, too. Really interesting, and honestly, I think Most is a very good actor. I've only seen him in Be Kind Rewind before this, but he's good in that, too. Alright, the kill this week was such a strong scene. It blew my mind. So creative, so horrifying. And Travis being at the scene and Dexter seeing him, this really is nuts. And honestly, I think it all happened a little fast. Killer being marked by Miami Metro already. And Travis being marked by Dexter already. I mean, I trust the writers know what they're doing, but it seems a little quick for the station to already know who the killer is without, of course, knowing for sure that Killer is. One of the two killers. Um, but it took them a little longer for them to you know, catch on to Jordan Chase, although Gail kind of had her suspicions right off the bat herself. And much longer, of course, to figure out it was Brian all along, and, of course, Trinity was pretty much 
at the end of the season where they actually figured out it was Arthur Mitchell. It's going to be so good right now, and that's why Dexter is so, so enthralling. All right, last thing for this episode, I just wanted to comment on Deb. I mean, can the writers really make us love Deb even more than we do? She's handling this job like the only way she knows how to, and it's great to see. It's actually nice to see Matthews be likable, uh, though I think there's more behind it than that. So for this episode, guys, will do another short one for episode five, too. All right, thanks. Thanks, Josh. You mentioned there that the Dexter being a dark passenger theory has pretty much been squashed. That could be the case. Personally, I honestly think the jury's still out. And I know we're just talking about episode four in this section, but episode five really, for me, doesn't confirm either way. I think there's still... It's still so ambiguous. It I just I just hope they hurry up and confirm one way or the other. <laughs> because we're kind of saying the same things about it each week and just just tell us already, will you? <laughs> I'm glad you like Brother Sam. Yes, as I've said, I'm a big fan of the character and I think Mose is doing a really good job. And you question whether we're seeing Travis a bit early, or more specifically Dexter identifying Travis a bit early. And indeed the police identifying Geller a bit early in the season. You could argue that this is the case. I mean, Dexter's identified the, the big bad early in the season before. Uh, look at Trinity. But the way I look at it, I, th- I mean, from my, <laughs> from my own point of view, I think, okay, Dexter's onto them now at this point, episode four. Um, let's see where they go with it. Let's see what happens. We've got two-thirds of the season left let's see let's see what they do let's see what what that presents for the storyline what that what that throws up I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing and (laughs) I have to uh, comment on your 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 comment there about Matthews being likable I have to say Josh Josh (laughs) shit Matthews and likable are two words I never thought I'd hear in the same sentence. <laughs> but I can see why you say that. He's showing support of Deborah. And while it's obviously in his interest that Deborah succeeds, and therefore it's in his interest to give her as much support as possible, we know that his appointment of Deborah in many ways was just to stick one to La Guerta, um and to... Uh, just piss her off and put her in her place um, but it's good it's good for Deborah if he is giving her genuine support as I say it's in his interest too because if she fails then LaGuerta is going to turn around and tell Matthews well I told you so should have listened to me and it reflects badly on him right we move on to an email writer gal has written in with this episode one Season 6, largely forgettable, and it felt like an introduction to new viewers, courtesy of Showtime. It said, in essence, we have a serial killer with a heart. We have gratuitous sex. We have murders. We have a cute little kid. Good grief. Amen to the listener who said that the blood under the long-dead victim's fingernails was a stupid play. It was. Would have been much better to have Dexter, a blood expert, find a drop of blood in some obscure place like in a neck fold or some place that wouldn't be caught by the cleansing on the embalmer's table, etc. Some place the cops would have missed. 
I'm sure the writers could have found something if they'd worked their imaginations a little harder. Is Geller a figment of Travis's imagination? Still possible, even after episode 4 when apparently Geller tied up the poor waitress who ended up dying in that macabre trap. But only if the Colin Hanks character has severe mental illness and is acting as Geller in periods of unconsciousness. A bit of a cheap trick, if you ask this writer, as it makes the viewer feel a bit sorry for the bad guy. Plus, this device has been used way too many times. Deb and Quinn. I actually thought it was a good decision to have Deb refuse the proposal. After all, the last time she leapt into an engagement, she ended up on a murderer's kill table, so it's perfectly understandable that she'd be reluctant to go there again. And conflict is drama, so let the daggers fly. Ditto for the machinations between LaGuerta and Michaels and Batista. I think she means Matthews there, sorry. Subplots serve to fill out and help with the story's pacing. As to the big story arc of religion, Dexter is always seeking to find a way to become more human. He thought normality was in his grasp with Miguel, domestic bliss, with Lumen, and now he's considering religion. I think he'll come to see that it is a valid choice, but many characters could come to the point of accepting or rejecting their goal, and they choose to reject it. What would make Dexter reject the sort of life Brother Sam has chosen? I'm afraid it will be something truly tragic. Something bad will happen to someone Dexter cares for, maybe the preacher himself. And Dex will be trapped by the old how-could-a-loving-God-let-bad-things-happen-to-good-people argument. People have tripped over that theological argument for years. If this series is to continue for two more years, Dex can't find the happiness he seeks in season six, unfortunately. We love to root for him. Now that the unfortunate introductory episode has passed, though it was cute that Dexter found himself popular, we can get into the meat of the story, which has always been about Dexter's evolving character. I can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> this is great. Thanks, writer gal. I, I don't know about you guys, but I've missed hearing from her. Always one for great insight, not least because she's a writer herself. And as you could probably tell in that email, she's pretty much covering the season so far, the first four episodes in that email. Writer Gal, I had to smile when I saw you give kudos to the listener who picked up on Dexter finding blood under the fingernails. You would think they'd be one of the first places they'd check for any forensic evidence, but as I say, I had to smile in light of the recent debate that's going on. And you raised the point there about Geller not being real. We've talked about this a lot now, and I think we're at the point where they've given us enough clues to think something fishy is going on with him. But they need to get on with it and confirm either way now, in my opinion. Debate about this point is all over the internet forums. Viewers are on are onto this in their droves. If Geller really does turn out to be a figment of Travis's twisted mind, for whatever reason, it'll have been well telegraphed and come as no surprise to most of us. I still hope that they're going to pull a swerve on us and do something different, though. I hope. And your comments about something tragic having to occur to make Dexter think, how could God let something like that happen to somebody good? <laughs> you must be psychic with what did happen in the very next episode, which we'll come to, but maybe, yes, Dexter will ask that very question in episode 6. It's interesting that you were disappointed with episode 1 this season, I quite enjoyed it personally, although we have discussed the shortcomings. It did have an overemphasis on laughs, maybe, more than we're used to with the show, but it made it a very entertaining episode for me. Plus, we had those now infamous plot holes that have provoked so much debate. It did do its job, though, of introducing new viewers to the show and characters, and 
I can see why they did it. So thanks again, writer gal. Hope to hear from you again before too long. Another email now. Daniel Bates writes, When Dexter gets the news on Harrison's ruptured appendix, he pats him directly on the stomach. I found that to be extremely odd. Odd, like he didn't bother to read the script completely. The dispatching of the poor waitress seemed borrowed directly from the Saw franchise. Why on earth was Travis beaming at the crime scene? Is he turning himself in for some greater stratagem a la Seven? The new detective is coming on a wee bit strong for a new hire in this economy. There's Confident, and then there's this character. The polarisation of the detective rank and file is a bit heavy-handed, but I guess it blends well with LaGuerta's increasingly ham-handed efforts to harpoon Deborah's promotion and status. Thanks, Daniel. Yes, ouch for the stomach thing. <laughs> I guess a little slip there that didn't get noticed by the director. And you're not the only one to question why Travis was lingering at the Angel of Death location. The cynic in me would suggest it was necessary because the writers wanted, to, wanted Dexter to get onto Travis at this point in the season, but within the plot, maybe Travis just wanted to see when the locust got out. <laughs> it wanted to marvel at the spectacle. Hey, Gareth, this is Kim from Las Vegas. Uh, I've been listening to your podcast for a long time now. However, this is my first time calling in, probably because uh, this season has kind of creeped me out, especially considering uh, being a Christian myself. Um, this is kind of an interesting parallel between what the faith that Sam is trying to tell Dexter about and considering this really creepy-ass serial killer that's now a serial killer since, I guess, you know, killed a third person. Anyway, um... It was kind of uh, depressing to see how that poor girl died. That was interesting. However, I wanted to talk about um, the storyline be between Deb and the guy who uh, took her position. I wonder if anybody thinks that that's actually going to go somewhere other than him just being there as a foil who finds out good details in um, these cases, but wondering if there's going to be anything possibly between him and Deb. I'm not sure if I can see that developing. And... Uh, I also had to comment on the uh, marijuana smoking scene in uh, Batista's car. That's interesting. Maybe they're going to find a new use for Batista and Quinn since, you know, they're kind of not exactly important at this point because they're so focused on uh, Deb and her career and Dexter and his faith and interesting stuff that's going on in his life. But uh, I just really hope that Deb actually succeeds this time around because she's had a hard time of it, obviously, since uh, season one, which was the other season that freaked me the heck out. And uh, this one's coming kind of close. Really disturbing. However, I can't stop watching it, even if it does give you nightmares. Okay. Well, talk to you later. Hopefully. Bye. Oh, yeah. This is Kim again. I w forgot to add my last call. What the hell was Creepy Mick, Creepy Pants Killer doing on the scene? I don't know if I actually missed a detail somewhere, but why the hell is that dude there? Anyway, talk to you later. Thanks, Kim. Always good to hear from first-time callers. And you have some good comments there. You query whether the Deborah Anderson thing is going somewhere other than Anderson just being a foil. You're not the only one, really. I just... Well, the Deb having a relationship in the department thing has been done before. Uh, yeah, I... I hope not. I hope not. I, I'm glad you also enjoyed the getting high scene with Batista and Quinn. 
the buddy cops thing, the buddy cops dynamic, it's a different one for Angel, and I welcome it. And you're finding this season pretty disturbing so far. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to be disturbed by. And not least, at its very fundamental level, this season is obviously mixing religion with the whole serial killer thing um, and putting across the messages from the Bible in, in such a such a hideous, evil way. Um, it's controversial. And it's good to talk about it. I mean, I'm enjoying doing the podcast. Well, I always enjoy podcasting, but it's uh, it's fun and analysing what's been going on. Right, an email now that reads as follows. I discovered your podcast this season. I love it. Just wanted to let you know that you have a listener from South Korea. Maybe I'm the first one. I have no idea, but I'd like to be the first official listener from South Korea, Gareth. I enjoy your show very much, very insightful and informative. Thank you very much and keep it up. And that's from Jeremy. So, um, thanks very much. Yes, indeed. Uh, first listener from South Korea. So, uh, welcome to the show. Hope to hear from you again. Right. Voicemail. Mike in Alaska. Here we go. This, uh, <laughs> sorry, before we do... This voicemail comes with a spoiler warning for the film The Sixth Sense. So skip forward, I don't know, a minute and a half uh, if you want to miss that one. Hey, Gareth. Love the show. I've been listening to it since the beginning, and I've written you a couple of times, help with RSS feeds and everything. This is Mike from Alaska. This is the first time I'm calling, and just wanted to say I just watched the, the latest Dexter, and... I think uh, Edward James almost. I think he's basically Dexter's dad. He's a ghost. He's not there, and our new killer is one crazy, crazy person. Uh, it's just like uh, M Night Shyamalan's movie, the Oh, I See Dead People, the, the Bruce Willis movie. Um, you know that nobody interacts with them. The guy sitting there with just the one cup of coffee in the cafe. And uh, that's my take on the, the villains of the season. Dexter's having his own crisis of faith, obviously. It's kind of a sappy approach, I think, for, for Dexter's main uh, storyline for the whole season, but whatever. I love the direction they're going with Deb, uh, kind of the shoot-from-the-hip cowboy-style uh, leadership, you know, that they thrust her in that role. That's pretty awesome. I'm uh, just wondering what you think about that take on the villains. I know you discussed a little bit of that before in your other shows. I haven't listened to the latest show of yours, but i wondering if anybody had uh, discussed that in depth as far as him not really being there and being basically just like Dexter's father, his mentor and all that. But anyway, I uh, love the show. Love the ambiance of the outdoor airfield. Uh, have a great day. Bye. Thanks, Mike. Your two main points there, really, uh, yeah, Geller not really being there. <clears throat> I think um, I think you're, you're right. It's been... It's been left totally ambiguous and the internet forums are just plastered in people questioning whether he's real or not. 
it's almost going too far now because it's it's almost so obvious in a way. And as I say, audiences are smarter these days. But having said that, honestly, I really hope the writers are quite aware of the ambiguity and are ready to pull a fast one on us and surprise us with some other explanation. And maybe it'll be the obvious explanation that Geller is real and he has just been planning this thing for the last three years since he was last seen by anyone other than Travis. And um, I don't know, maybe he just didn't fancy a coffee in the in the cafe last week. <laughs> Uh, and um, and he has been real all this time. Uh, so, you know, maybe the obvious answer is going to end up being the correct one. And you like the direction that, that Deborah's going in this season, very much a shoot-from-the-hip leadership style. I can't agree more. It's very refreshing for the show, for the department, and within the show, for the public image of the department. I think she's... Um, I think she's going to do well. I really hope she does well and doesn't end up being screwed by LaGuerta. So, that's the feedback for episode four. We're going to move on to episode five immediately. And first, talk about the episode and then get into your feedback for that one. Harry can't save you now, but you could email the podcast. DissectingDexter at gmail.com All right, so, season six, episode five. The Angel of Death, written by Scott Reynolds and directed by S.J. Clarkson, both of whom we've talked about before. So, original air date, 30th of October, 2011. Oh, that Dexter... He did a good job of finding the glue that led him to locating Travis. Through the episode, he showed some incredible work for a blood spatter analyst. (laughs) Although, of course, we know he's no ordinary blood spatter analyst. He thinks like a killer, of course. Well, he is a killer, (laughs) stating the obvious, Gareth. But once again, he's following a very dangerous path. A path that's been proven to be dangerous. He's investigating a killer... In parallel with Miami PD, Miami Homicide, investigating the same killer, two separate investigations, Dexter making his own headway, but keeping the evidence to himself. He's done that before, isn't he? And it rarely ends well. Just ask Rita. So, is he going to come unstuck again this season? Time will tell. But regarding our killers this season, there was an interesting bit with Travis and Geller in that old church, apparently, well, seemingly praying. And Travis looks and sees blood on Geller's hairline. Geller, with his eyes shut, told Travis to keep his eyes on God. But he knew he was being looked at. But what about that blood? It made me think of the blood depicted on Jesus' head from the crown of thorns at the time of the crucifixion. Does this raise a question connected to what I said back in episode 2 about Geller maybe having delusions about being the second coming of Christ? See how I suffer for your sins, he said back then. Is he going to exhibit signs of stigmata or something, at least to Travis's eyes? It was weird. When Travis looked back, the blood was gone. Travis is clearly a bit disturbed, but is he so far gone that he's hallucinating? 
It's all very strange. We've not had anything supernatural in Dexter before, so I'm not sure where they're going with this, but in my mind, <laughs> I'm keeping away from supernatural theories to explain this. So I'm just going to play the waiting game and see how it transpires. But Travis is so devoted to Geller. They were making a point of how Travis isn't hearing God speak to him yet. And I wonder, is this eventually going to chip away at his faith in Geller and he'll end up turning on him? Will he kill Geller before Dexter can? Maybe angry at having, having been made to do all these terrible things. That's assuming Geller's still a living person. And so the Whore of Babylon is the next biblical reference they'll depict. The Whore is another feature of the book of Revelation, linking with what we've already seen this season. And she's essentially another figure of evil. With the numbers that Dexter's found, it seems like there's a countdown of sorts counting down to doomsday maybe are the killers planning something massive for the climax obviously the earth isn't going to actually end but i don't know i'm not sure what the denouement will, be, will actually be any ideas guys dexter he's gathering how the message of the killers is more important than the thrill unlike himself where satisfying the dark passenger is more important but yeah he seems to be getting the message loud and clear that the killers have a greater agenda, a greater message to put across than simply satisfying their own need to kill. In the department, Batista and Quinn go up to Tallahassee to look into Geller, and of course Quinn gets jiggy with Geller's former assistant. <laughs> He's such a dirty dog. He's so much like his former self now, pre-Deborah. Only he's not shown any hint of the former corruption yet, which is good. I'm finding the playboy Quinn much more entertaining than the lovesick one. The bit when he goes to ask Deb for the ring back, he was quite nice about it, none of the arrogance or anger coming through. But when Deb asked Jamie about looking for the ring box, I really thought the Harrison theory would start coming to fruition. Maybe we'd have a scene with Jamie and Harrison... Jamie saying she's looking for a box and Harrison pointing at the aircon. Daddy's box. But no, <laughs> the box was found without implicating Dexter. But there was a strange confrontation between Deb and Jamie. Not sure where that's leading, if anywhere. I thought it a bit rich, Dexter getting a bit down on Deb for the gory photos. How many times has he had Harrison on his lap while looking at the same sort of thing? But I still feel like the writers were playing with us, like they preempted us having this box theory. I still think it will come into play again later. So, back to Geller and Travis. They went out looking for a suitable woman to use in their next killing, and we see them at the bar, Geller drinking from a mug. Perhaps our theory about Geller not being a real physical person was wrong. I don't know. I think the jury's still out on this. We do know that Geller certainly was a very real person. People knew him. There are books with his photo on, books that he's written. Yet we've still not seen anyone other than Travis acknowledge him in the show. Could he have died in the three years since leaving Tallahassee? Are we going to find his decayed corpse at some point? If he is alive, what's he been doing all this time? Is he now just a manifestation of Travis's madness? The writers... The writers surely know they're just being ambiguous over this, but I do find it peculiar that we're five episodes in and it's still unclear. I can't help but feel the final answer is going to be a disappointment if we're already a step ahead of the writers. 
But if they're the ones leading us down this path and end up surprising us, I'd be very happy. I would much prefer to be surprised, so if we're wrong, I won't complain. As long as the final answer is a satisfying one, and a surprising one, and one that makes sense. I'll move on. <laughs> this is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. It helps me control the chaos. Oh, just a tidbit. The newspaper Travis picked up. Did you notice the journalist's name on the, on the article? Scott Reynolds, it says, who, as I say, is the actual writer of this episode. Nice little shout out there. Little Easter egg. But again, Travis, he doesn't seem sure of himself. Is his faith wavering? He messed up the abduction of the girl at the marina. I guess there'll be a police report next week about an attempted attack on a woman. And will CCTV have Miami homicide on the trail of Travis as well as Geller? Whatever. I really think Colin Hanks is doing a brilliant job of portraying this, this conflicted and complex character. That was screwed up when they ran over that couple in the car. The woman Travis grabbed, presumably set to be the whore of Babylon next week. Harsh and very dark stuff. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> the the uh, the beach house murder-suicide thing, that was interesting. Didn't seem to have any direct connection with anything that's been going on. It did serve, though, to open the door for Deb to get her own place, and it did serve to demonstrate to Anderson that Dexter has some great skill at analysing a crime scene very efficiently, well beyond what you'd expect from just a simple blood guy. Anyone who didn't know Dexter would be totally blown away at Dexter's speed and perception, I wonder if it will plant a seed with Anderson that there's more to Dexter. Oh, and we found out that Anderson's married, which could put a spanner in the works for any budding romance between him and Deb. It still really seems clear that they're being positioned to get together, though. And speaking of Deb, I'm not sure where they're going with Deb and that therapist woman, questioning her about the shooting in the first episode. Deb's a bugger for not always tackling things that are upsetting her, just glossing over them, moving on and soldiering on and not facing them. I suspect, though, that there's more to come in this regard later. Deb saying being lieutenant is giving her headaches. I don't know. Maybe it was all just leading to her making the decision to get her own place. We'll see. Masuka, what happened with him this week? He's got a new intern, Lewis Green, I'm not sure what the purpose of their storyline was this week. Lewis helping erase the online auction for the ice truck killer prosthetic and helping keep Masuka out of trouble. <laughs> I did like the comment about erasing his uh, <laughs> his um, internet browsing history or whatever it was, however it was he put it. <laughs> Very helpful. I hope there's more to this, though, and maybe the Ryan thing will come back with something a bit more significant. I didn't get the feeling... Brea Grant was just in for two or three episodes. I had the impression she was in it for more than that, but, you know, I could be wrong. Uh, Brother Sam. Once again, I like the interaction between Dexter and Sam this week. They're developing a nice friendship. Dexter's not resisting it. He's sharing some personal stuff. He shared his origin story, or part of it. But Sam, he's... He's a perceptive guy. He's got the darkness in him and 
recognises it in Dexter now, and he's yeah he's picking up on this. But I guess at the moment he's just attributing. Well, yeah, he's he's attributing it to what happened to Dexter's mother, and you know who could blame him. But I can see Sam finding out about Dexter before the season's over, which might not bode well for his long-term health, but <laughs> never mind that now. It's his short-term health I'm worried about <laughs> after the shooting at the end. He had some sage advice for Dexter, though. You know, the good book tells us that there's no darkness that the light can't overcome. So all the darkness that you think you got inside you, yeah, all it takes is just a little bit of light to keep it at bay. Believe me, I know. It's like with your son, man. And see, I just mentioned him, and you just light right up. Yeah, I guess I do. And you sharing that light with him every day, all the time. You really think so? I see it. You just gotta let it out. He makes it sound easy, and again, he gives Dexter something to seriously think about. Even if he doesn't accept God's existence, Harrison could be all the light that Dexter needs. That little bit of light. It reminded me of Lumen last year. Remember, Lumen is Latin for light. But of course, she's not here anymore. Harry, he did say last season that the children are Dexter's salvation, and Sam's hinting at the same thing. This could be setting things up for the beginning of the end of Dexter's journey. Something one of you wrote in mentioning this week, and I'll get to it in the feedback section. Let's just finish with the Dexter-Travis scene, which was the highlight for me, highlight of the episode. Dexter getting Travis in his car was great, and a blatant throwback to him nabbing Donovan in the season one pilot. They did suggest that they'll be channeling season the season one vibe, but hey, if it worked for Dexter once before, why not do it again, right? God! God! Yeah, let's start with him. I suppose it was God who told you to kill all those innocent people. God doesn't talk to me. Then how do you know? He talks to Professor Giller. And how do you know he talks to God? Because I've seen it. God speaks to the professor. He speaks through the professor. Keep going. Before I met him, I was lost. But then the professor, he showed me the truth. He showed me the way. He is a prophet filled with truth and light. Bullshit! <laughs> you kill those people because you like it. Answer me! I couldn't do it! I'm a failure. I'm failing God. Do you have any idea what that feels like? Well, this certainly confirmed Dexter's theory that there's more than one killer. Interesting how Travis refers to Geller as a prophet, and interesting how he has little sense of self-worth. I'm a failure, he said. But the way he went on to say how Geller is so much stronger than he is, it really sounded to me more like a schizophrenic talking. Certainly someone mentally disturbed. Just a feeling. But I don't know if this feeling is purely because... In the podcast, we've been batting about the theory that Geller isn't real, or at least no longer real. And just a side note, I love the blood theme creeping into this scene as Travis left the car. It's my favourite piece of Dexter music, and of course I always play it towards the end of the podcast. But what about this bit? 
Where are you? Mom, I'm on my way home. What's going on? Uh, I, I, I don't feel good. I've got a... I, I just feel sick. I, I should get some sleep. Travis, what are you not telling me? Nothing. No, I, I just, I feel sick. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. Hey, you remember the story about Jonah and the great fish? Jonah tried to run from God. He didn't get too far. Hope you're not trying to run from God too. Mum? He did say mum, didn't he? What the hell? Why would he call Geller mum? But again, is Geller a real person? Travis dialed a number. We hear the phone ring. See Geller answer. I don't know. I think I might be... 60-40 for Geller being real at the moment. Are we in danger of being too clever for our own good here, as viewers? Oh, here's a thought. If Geller was still alive, why would he have left that old notebook in his university stuff? The book that Angel found. Oh, this is fun. <laughs> I love this show. But Mum, that really bothers me. Why say Mum? Did he think someone was listening on his side? Someone walking behind him? Maybe he was still thinking Dexter might be close. I don't know, but it was very, very strange. Hey, no LaGuerta this week. Not a bad thing, though. But a good episode. Let's hear what you guys thought. Listener feedback. All right, the first feedback for episode five is from Nick Henderson, who contacted us last episode. He's from the Four Player Podcast, and he emails with this. Here are my general thoughts on the last two episodes of Dexter, A Horse of a Different Colour and The Angel of Death. I hope this isn't too long. With episode four, the true season five story arc seems to have finally begun to show its true form. Travis Marshall and Geller's true motivations are finally beginning to become clear, and Dexter's spiritual search is deepening. While I stand behind my belief that Geller is in fact imaginary, my other theory about the two of them hunting down other killers like Dexter seems to have been debunked, with most of their recent victims being innocents. Perhaps the most puzzling thing to me is how all of the different guest characters are going to ultimately tie into the season. What role will Mike Anderson play, and how close will he come to discovering Dexter's secret? Will the hot intern be more than just a thief and potential love interest for Masuka? Perhaps most importantly, to me anyway, will Brother Sam discover Dexter's secret and what effect will that have on their developing friendship? There are a lot of possible directions they could go, but ultimately, the success of any one of these characters will rely on how they relate to Dexter and his journey. On a more general note about the season, and remainder of the series, Dexter's fascination with the Doomsday Killers is certainly reminiscent of his playful intrigue of season one, but his outlook on life and his interpersonal interactions couldn't be more different. Thanks to Lumen and Harrison, Dexter now resembles a troubled human being more than a sociopathic monster, as he described himself in the first few seasons. Could Dexter's final journey be one of recovery? Whatever the writers have in mind, this season seems to be hinting at the beginning of the end for Dexter. I'm hoping for two more seasons, but I feel like this season might really have some lasting effects on the remainder of the series. Lastly, the scene in which Dexter attacked Travis from the back seat of his car with the wire and told him to drive instantly reminded me of episode one, season one. What a great scene. Keep up the great work and I look forward to listening to the show this week. 
Thanks, Nick. Very eloquently put. Some good points there. Yes, indeed, that last scene was straight out of <laughs> the pilot, wasn't it? But to address the rest of your points, it does seem clear now that the actual identity of the Doomsday victims is unimportant. They may need to sometimes fit certain a certain physical profile, but basically it's nothing personal against the individuals per se. <laughs> as crass as that might sound, it's the message, the tableau that's important to Travis and Geller. It could be that Dexter may end up confiding in Sam, maybe on his deathbed after the shooting, Dexter thinking Sam won't make it and revealing his truth. Sam might be understanding, though. He might. He's a killer himself, after all. And I think you are right about this, how this might be the beginning of the end for Dexter. How many times can they give him hope, only to obliterate them at the end of the season? But could that be a way to bring the show to an end? Just thinking about it now, he's been left devastated so many times that he just gives up and maybe sacrifices himself in some way in the series finale. Perhaps to save Harrison or Deb. In fact, maybe he doesn't need to be left devastated. The end of the series comes when he simply sacrifices himself for either of them. That could be, in fact, his final step to normalcy. Sacrifice himself in the ultimate way to protect someone he loves. The most unselfish gesture imaginable. Wow, that would be tragic, but a beautiful end in a way. But yeah, definitely, I think this season will have a big impact on Dexter and will dictate a lot of how he reacts in the final season or two. Thanks, Nick. Hello, Gareth. This is Kim from Las Vegas again. Uh, this, problem, this is the third time I've called, but I just wanted to say after this last episode, uh, well, thank God there wasn't an incredibly gruesome, disgusting murder this time. Uh, doesn't there was really a murder this episode because in the previews I'm hoping that he's alive because that would just be unfortunate if the real or the guy who's seeming to be the real Christian is the one who has to die first. But also I want to mention in this episode where uh, I should know his name by now, but I keep forgetting. But the guy who replaced Deb. Uh, you know, when they went to that murder scene where the wife apparently killed her husband after seeing that interesting picture on his phone. Why the hell do people keep things on their phone? Haven't they learned from TMZ and celebrities that you don't take pictures on your phone because they'll just end up on the internet? Anyway, but from that scene when the guy was pretty much, it sounded like he was inferring that they were together, so I'm just thinking, you know... Is that foreshadowing for what I thought was going to happen when I called last time? Or if you think that's just, you know, some sort of, some sort of misleading part of the storyline. But anyway, talk to you later. And um, waiting for a show to come up. I know you said last week that there probably wouldn't be a show, but, you know, it's going to be two weeks, and I'm kind of sad not to be hearing your accent. Okay, later. Thanks, Kim. Good to hear from you again. Sorry I had to tweak your voicemail a little bit. You did mention... What something that was in the preview for next week's episode, and uh, as as most of you know, I, I keep this podcast as spoiler free as I possibly can. And if anything does sneak through, then I apologise. But um, even my coming soon section of the podcast is spoiler free. I don't watch the previews, um, so uh, my 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 own personal preview is purely my own speculation about what might be coming. 
so apologies for editing your voicemail a little bit there. But yes, it would be a great shame for the good Christian to die before the twisted one. But how often does that happen in shows where the good person goes first? The shooting did not look good. Three shots, was it? Sam would be lucky to survive that. I kind of hope Anderson and Deb don't get together, in response to one of your other points, that is. It looks too obvious at the moment that they will. I hope it becomes more of a close working relationship, actually. They're both very different people, but it could be one of those odd friendships that just works. Look at Deb and Lundy. Mind you, that did turn romantic, but you know what I mean. And thanks, Kim, for missing me. <laughs> Apologies again for not podcasting last week, but I hope this double-dose edition makes up for it. Hope to hear from you again. And please don't be put off by um, my edit. <laughs> hey, guys. Josh here. Just watched the last episode of Dexter, episode 5. Just want to comment in. I'm not happy with this hand dying this early. I actually like the character a lot. So I'm going to say that right now. Yeah. Annoyed a little bit. Um, but the plot is really moving along fast. With Travis Marshall being the big bad this season, it's strange to see Dexter make himself known as, you know, the killer. And Travis is really. I'm glad he's getting down to business so quickly instead of drawing it out like he did with Trinity. I'm half expecting Dexter to befriend Travis with a fake identity, but I'm glad that went this route instead. <clears throat> I don't think Geller has much longer to live. But what will Travis do after he's gone? It's becoming clear to me that Travis will end up inadvertently getting Geller killed. After Geller is killed by Dexter, he can't. Travis can't do anything by himself. It's you know it's been shown to be that way. Maybe when Geller dies, Travis steps up and continues the revelation killings. But Dexter will know how to find Travis, and it'll be too easy for him. I don't know how the plot's going to move along, and I'm excited to see it actually. Um, actually, I like the Angel and Quinn buddy cop angle. They work well together. The Angel is being continually awesome this season. I just love it when Angel is not in a stupid relationship. It's awesome to see. He's such a good character. And when last episode, uh, episode four, when Quinn and Angel got high last episode, it was pretty funny. Yeah, I'm enjoying it, but now this Quinn seems to screw up everything by throwing. Now things are going to get more serious at the station with the the um, college professor and everything like that, so I think the Angel and Quinn fun time is over, for now at least. Um, yeah, so things are getting pretty serious in Dexter, and I'm getting pretty excited about it. That's all I had to say. Short one. Thanks. Thanks, Josh. Yes, it's was strange, Dexter showing his hand to Travis and then letting him go. He was obviously hoping to nip the whole thing in the bud and prevent any more murders in the process, but it seemed from Travis that he's just the monkey, Geller being the organ grinder. Well, I mean, we knew that already, but it was clear to Dexter. Dexter will naturally want him too. If he just took out Travis, Geller might end up going into hiding, maybe then finding another poor sap to manipulate down the road. I'm sure Dex will fully intend to take out Travis too, but he'll need him to get to Geller, at least to get to him quicker than finding him on his own. As for Quinn, he's on very dodgy ground, sleeping with a potential witness. Definitely unprofessional. Batista certainly has more morals than Quinn, and he clearly didn't approve 
as you suggest, maybe it will spell the end of the brief buddy cop thing, which had been pretty entertaining, so personally I think it would be a shame if this was the end of it. An email from our old friend Barbara in New York, who says, Hi Gareth, my favourite scene of the last episode was Dexter appearing in Travis's back seat and slipping the wire around his neck. It reminded me of the pilot, as it was probably intended to do. Unfortunately, being reminded of the first season of Dexter has its downside. Nothing compares to it. The fact that Showtime's Homeland airs directly after Dexter this year adds more fuel to the fire regarding the declining quality of the past few Dexter seasons. Homeland is currently the best show on TV, in my opinion, but I digress. Some random thoughts. 1. If Geller is really dead, then let's get on with it already. 2. How is Professor Porter involved with all this? And how annoying is Quinn, Quinn and his dick? 3. I love Deb's new digs, but please don't let her fuck the new guy. 4. Finally, to all those who criticise the obvious procedural mistakes Dexter makes, try to suspend your disbelief a little. After all, this is a show where we root for a serial killer. Doesn't that in itself suspend a little disbelief? Ha <laughs> ha. I'm glad you're back, Gareth. For me, your podcast has become as entwined with Dexter as the episodes themselves, and something's missing when you're away. Thanks, Barbara. It's always good to hear from you. You're enjoying Homeland, and that's good. Uh, I'm enjoying it too. It's it's a really good show. Um, Showtime really do seem to have a, a, a nice new top-quality show on their hands. Um, I don't know how much life it has in its beyond its central mystery, but, um, you know, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> um, your comments there about the quality of the show, Dexter, and... I have to agree. I mean, to an extent, the first two se- well, the first season was was out of this world. The second season was great. Season three was a bit of a dip. Then season four was was good again. I mean, that that had its that had its points where we were thinking, well, we were we were questioning, we were raising questions, shall we say? But obviously, the uh, you know the whole Trinity storyline was was just superb. Um, but yeah, last season. Not brilliant, although there was still some good character stuff. This season still has potential, but hasn't been hasn't <laughs> hasn't been awesome, shall we say, at, at the risk of using a, a superlative. Um, so yeah, I guess when you watch other quality shows, uh, shows like Breaking Bad, I guess, uh, which, as I've talked about, is one of my favourite shows at the moment. Uh, you compare it with some other top quality shows, see what they're doing right, and um, I don't know whether Dexter's becoming a victim of its longevity. I don't know. Maybe that's something to discuss another time. But for now, yeah, I agree with you. When you get reminders of season one, it it can have a kind of counter effect in in that it reminds you of how great season one really was. So, with regard to your points, yeah, I agree. Let's get on with confirming whether. Geller's real or not. Um, Professor Porter, they brought in a sort of semi-known actress. I think the girl concerned, she was in True Blood. I think she's been in a few other bits and pieces. So I don't know how long she's due to be in the show. But yeah, Quinn there. As I say, I I like the playboy Quinn. But he is a dog. That's that's the word for it. it. He really is. And they're letting his penis get in the way of an investigation or at least threaten to interfere with an investigation and 
Yeah, Batista wasn't entirely happy about it, was he? But didn't kick off when he could have kicked off. I mean, he, he's Quinn's superior. He's his, his sergeant, so, you know, he could have... He could cause some problems for him. <laughs> yeah, you... <coughs> yeah, your comments there about Deb. Yeah, I don't want her to get involved romantically with Anderson. He said he's married. You know, let's leave that alone. Respect the sanctity of marriage just for once, please. <laughs> um, and you have some comments there about the, uh, the the debate we've had about picking out on some of the the little faux pas and question marks we've raised about Dexter's MO and, and whether the producers have maybe dropped a little bit of a ball or the writers more specifically with one or two details. I guess we, we've talked about that enough for this week, but um, you're right. I mean, to an extent we can suspend our disbelief, but like I say, we're all different and we all have our limits of our own thresholds of, of how much we can overlook, uh, you know. There we go. I still love the show, so um, I'm not going to uh, get too down on it. But thanks, Barbara. Good to hear from you again. You're supposed to preserve the crime scene, asshole. <laughs> this is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. Keep up to date with the show on Twitter. Follow at Dissect Dexter. Lastly, for this particular episode, an email from Deanna in Alberta, Canada, who very bravely writes in and discusses the religious aspects of the, sh the season. And she writes as follows. I'm enjoying your thoughtful and well-produced podcast very much again this season. They've certainly become part of my weekly routine. I do listen and watch a couple of other podcasts on Dexter, but yours is a favourite. Sharing your listeners' insights and theories sets yours apart from the crowd. Thank you for the time and effort you share with us. Thanks, Diana. Who goes on to say? I can't remember the exact wording of the question, but in one of your earlier podcasts, you questioned how a Christian can justify rooting for Dexter or enjoy watching a show such as Dexter, and you wanted to hear from a Christian how they were viewing this season. I've been thinking about your question off and on for a while, waiting for someone else to answer, then decided to try and put my thoughts to paper. I would preface my thoughts by saying I am not educated in Christian apologetics and could definitely learn much more about my own faith, but I was brought up Catholic and still practice my faith. After seeing the first Dexter Season 6 previews online, my knee-jerk reaction was, Ugh! There we go again! Trot out the religious wackos! And suddenly I wasn't looking forward to watching my favourite show anymore. Hollywood seems to have gone on the attack towards Christians. I cringe when I see extremists in the media propagating the view of Christians as intolerant and judgmental. Those who follow Jesus should remember his example. He welcomed the thieves, prostitutes and sinful to hear his message of love. He didn't yell and damn them. He invited them to change and to accept his teachings. The only religious characters Hollywood seems to write anymore are paedophile priests, extremely judgmental hypocrites, science deniers preferring ignorance, or the crazy, apocalyptic, Book of Revelations spouting nut. In the remake of Cape Fear, the Max Cady character quoted Bible verses throughout, turning the movie into a mockery of the Bible in a way the original never even hinted at. In the movie The Mist, among those holed up in the stories, the crazy Christian lady telling them they were all evil and they had, they'd pay for their sins. Paul was filled with fundamentalist caricatures. Catholic equals paedophile is a punchline for any joke anymore. I really could go on and on. 
Up until this point, Dexter, the show, seems to have skirted away from religion. Season 5, the Irish nanny had a faith that was presented in a fair, understated way. Dexter even allowed that, although a statue of St Bridget might not really offer any protection, he didn't outright mock her belief in it. In the season one premiere, the writers changed the victim of Dexter's kill from a paedophile priest, as in the Darkly Dreaming Dexter book by Jeff Lindsay, to a boy's choir director. In fact, in the Dexter books, the Dark Passenger is actually named an ancient demon that even exits Dexter for a time, leaving him unable to hunt and kill. So far this season, the writers seem to be showing us the two sides of religion, the light and the dark, if you will. We see Brother Sam, so far, as an example of the redemptive powers of God. In episode 4, Sam even explains how damaging putting your faith in the wrong thing can be. Sam appears to have his faith in God and is trying to repent for his past by helping others change their lives. Sam still fights the darkness, as do we all. Everyone is faced with temptations. And that we do fail sometimes on our journey makes us human. Travis, on the other hand, appears to be very ill. The dark, hidden, and open-to-interpretation, prophetic nature of Revelation seems to be a lightning rod for crazies. Like some of your other listeners, I'm starting to believe that Geller is not really there. Maybe he's been killed already, and he's a delusion of Travis's. Maybe Travis is schizophrenic, and Geller is really just in his head, guiding him. In which case, Travis is not so much religious as mentally ill. Finally, how do I, as a religious person, justify my love of The Dexter Show? A. I know it's fiction. Trust me, if there was a real Dexter, I would be beyond horrified by him. B. I enjoy the paradoxical nature of Dexter. At one point, Dexter asks himself how many lives he may have saved by taking the lives he did. He rationalises that he saves lives by killing. However, I know that Dexter is not killing out of a simple desire to save innocence. He likes killing. He adheres to his Harry's code because it satisfies his dark passenger and keeps him safe. My husband asked me if Dexter was real, would he be going to hell? My answer was, no one knows. The Bible says we can never know the heart of another man. I'm very interested to see where this season takes us. If nothing else, people are at least having a religious discussion. Self-reflection and questioning is not a negative thing. Thanks, Deanna. That was a fantastic email. I hesitate to react to it because... Your thoughtful words very much speak for themselves, but <laughs> of course, you know me, <laughs> I always go on too much. <laughs> so obviously I've got a few things I want to say in response. I would say it's good that the show is depicting how a troubled individual like Brother Sam can find religion and use it to turn his life around for the better, to the extent that he's actively helping others who are in the same situation as he was. He's become a good person, one who still has to focus to fight the darkness he admits is still within him, but uses his faith to help him. Travis and Geller, on the other hand, clearly both believe in God, but like so many religious extremists, they seem to be twisting the message of the Bible and using it for their own dark agenda. It could still turn out that Geller's been dead for a while, but in life... I, my feeling is he inspired Travis in some major way, leading him unwittingly down this terrible path. Maybe Travis was always a bit unhinged and manifests Geller now to help him. But we've seen how he's wavering, Travis that is. He's puzzled why he can't hear God talking to him. I suspect he'll continue to unravel regardless of whether Geller is real or not. As for Dexter, 
Yes, he's always killed first and foremost to satisfy the dark passenger. I can't ever see him rationalising it in some religious or spiritual way. Nor can I see him starting to kill in the name of God. But I hope that by the end of the season he'll have found some personal understanding of faith and that believing in something good and pure, even if that thing isn't God necessarily, but by believing in something, he can achieve his current goal of passing on something good to Harrison. And be more at peace with himself and the world. Whew, <laughs> profound stuff. <laughs> but it's great that the show's prompting us to have these discussions and think about these things. And thanks again, Deanna, for being brave enough to, well, put yourself out there with your opinions on religion in the show this season. And I hope maybe your comments will inspire one or two other Christians or um believers in other faiths to come forward and maybe express some opinions on on what's been going on and what might be yet to come and the whole premise of mixing religion in a show like this right that's it for feedback this week thanks everyone who's contributed if you would like to contribute you're very welcome in the u.s the voicemail listener line is 646 222 and in the UK, the number is 0844-579-6949. And with the UK number, you enter mailbox number 08320 when the voice prompts you. You can email me, it's dissectingdexter at gmail.com. Where you can also email a voice recording if you have an iPhone or just want to record a voicemail on your PC and want to email it to me. You can email it to the same address. You can also follow the show on Twitter. It's at Dissect Dexter or my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth underscore UK. And there's the Facebook page. Jump onto Facebook and search for Dissecting Dexter and you'll find it there. I put various comments and updates about the podcast and the show on there. And uh, you guys are also welcome to post whatever you want on there. It's, it's open to your own comments. <laughs> Next time on Dissecting Dexter. The next episode marks, believe it or not, the halfway point of our season. Wow, is it going fast? Is it just me? <laughs> well, as always, this is a spoiler-free preview of the next episode all I'm going to reveal is the episode title so if you don't want to know that then skip forward a bit the next episode is called Just Let Go and in light of what happened at the end of this last episode as I say I've not seen the previews for next week I've not read any synopsis for next week I did mention there's a major spoiler going on for next week floating around I have a, a I have a hint from what I saw on the forum about what it may be, but not specifics. I'm not going to let that influence what I'm about to say, so don't worry. I'm not going to spoil anybody. But in light of what happened what happened at the end of this last episode with Sam being shot, is the episode title referring to him just let go? Is he going to be mortally wounded but just hanging on by a thread? Just let go. Just let go in, and, and float away into the light and join God. I don't know. I can't imagine Sam would be afraid of dying. 
so I don't think he'd need I don't think he'd be reluctant to let go if he's if he's that badly hurt so but what what does make me think in light of what Harry said what Harry said last week Sam shooting it could be the opportunity for Dexter to repay whoever following the pact he made last week when he prayed I remember Harry saying about Dexter having to repay at some point pay the piper he said Dexter could end up hunting down the shooter and maybe he'd be in a position where he has to let the code slide to dispose of them as a way of defending one of God's believers thereby repaying the debt for um, that prayer being answered They were very careful not to show the face of the assailant. Indeed, it's not even clear whether the assailant's male or female. So, with that in mind, maybe the shooter's going to be someone we know, someone we've met before. A major character, maybe? Or just one of the faces from the, um, the auto shop? Maybe that employee that got baptised? Maybe it could be a member of the gang that we saw... Uh, in in the earlier episode, I can't remember which it was. Episode two, wasn't it? That came in with with guns pointing at Sam and Dexter intervened. Could just let go refer to Dexter? Just let go of his reservations, let go of his doubts, and embrace God. Embrace. Embrace the faith, if not in God, in something. It's interesting, because uh, <laughs> quite often these episode titles are quite hard to speculate on. Uh, but, you know, not always. But in this case, it's it's nice that they leave it ambiguous. Um, and, and quite often it does have a double meaning and maybe refers to more than one aspect of the next episode, as, as this could. I have a strong feeling we're going to see the Whore of Babylon next week. Um, there wasn't a new... Uh, there wasn't a new body from the Doomsday Killers this week. So, uh, you know, they're due another one. It'll be interesting to see how Travis gets involved with that. His faith, while he seems to be devoted in Geller, his faith seems to be, it doesn't seem to be as rock solid as Geller would like. He's made one or two threats to Travis. Will that scare him into... Um, becoming becoming more uh, more true to the cause again. I'm struggling to find the right words here, sorry. Elsewhere, I still think the Harrison Daddy's Box thing is going to rear its head at some point. Uh, will the tension between Deb and Jamie maybe have an impact there? I don't know. Maybe that's kind of been done now with Deb getting her own place. But Quinn and Batista, they're keeping those two guys close, aren't they? I don't know, I, I have a bad feeling about this. That uh, that they're going to start maybe getting a whiff of Dexter before too long. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> As I say, I've not seen any of the, the previews or read anything about the next episode. This is, this is purely my own speculation. But I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this season. It's got some really great original stuff for the show. It's exciting.
So, dear listener, as this podcast draws to a close, I just want to briefly share some of my broad thoughts about the season so far. For me, it's not the best season of Dexter. Certainly doesn't come close, in fact. I'm not on the edge of my seat as I was in season one, in which I was also thoroughly intrigued and riveted. Neither like I was in season two, where Dexter was in great jeopardy. And of course, season four, the Trinity season. But it's still there's still some good stuff going on. I'm liking Dexter, the character, venturing into some new territory, and indeed new territory for the show. I'm enjoying what's happening with one or two of the supporting characters, particularly Deborah, and to a lesser extent Batista. And I still have a bit of hope that what's happening with Masuka is going to come to something noteworthy, if not significant. I like having the playboy Quinn back, and I'm glad that we're not seeing as much of LaGuerta. So, (laughs) on that note, (laughs) of course your comments on the season so far, and indeed episode 6 coming up, are all welcome. Until then, when I talk to you next week, when we'll be dissecting some more Dexter, it's Tara for now. Take care guys. Cheers.